The League of Women Voters is a people's organization that has fought since 1920 to improve our government and engage all Americans in the decisions that impact their lives. Formed from the movement that secured the right to vote for women, the centerpiece of the League's efforts remains to expand participation and give a voice to all Americans. Our issues are grounded in our respected history of making democracy work for all Americans. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Finding Perspectives, focused on empowering and educating our community on voting and key issues impacting all of Arlington and Alexandria, Virginia. My name is Krista Jones, and I'm excited to host this podcast produced by the League of Women Voters, Arlington and Alexandria City. In today's episode, we'll focus on ranked choice voting, an electoral system that allows people to vote for multiple candidates in order of preference. Instead of just choosing who you want to win, you fill out the ballot saying who is your first choice, second choice, or third choice, or more as needed for each position. Arlington will be the first locality in Virginia to use the system during its June 20th election, although political parties have used ranked choice voting for previous contests in Virginia. This type of voting system has become increasingly popular, and as of September 2022, 56 cities, counties, and states have ranked choice voting in place, according to Fair Vote, a national advocacy group for ranked choice voting. Ranked choice voting has the potential to transform the way candidates campaign and how we view the electoral process. Listen in to my discussions with Tanya Griffin, Community and Outreach Coordinator for the county's Office of Voter Registration and Elections, and Liz White, Executive Director of Vote VA, to learn more. Enjoy the conversation. Well, thank you, Liz, for joining us. Can you talk to us a little more about what Upvote Virginia is? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Upvote Virginia grew out of One Virginia 2021 and our efforts last year to bring about nonpartisan redistricting reform. Once the redistricting process was over for 10 years, we looked ahead to see what still needed to be done in Virginia. I took over as executive director. Rather than shut down this incredible statewide network of volunteers that we'd built and all of the lessons learned and this playbook we'd built, we decided to launch a new organization, Upvote Virginia, that with a broader mission of lots of good government electoral reforms, redistricting reform is still on that list, but we decided also to make our initial focus ranked choice voting. We really are guided by the principle of what is good for Virginia voters and our mission is to to elevate the voices of Virginia voters. And we really feel like ranked choice voting provides that option for voters and it really helps amplify their voices and is a more thorough way for them to be heard. So a lot of people have probably heard about ranked choice voting, but they don't know how it works. Could you explain what ranked choice voting is and some of its advantages? Absolutely. So the simplest way to think about it, because people have probably heard that it's hard, that it's complicated, that it's confusing for voters. I think it's always a mistake to underestimate the intelligence of voters. I think voters are very smart. I think people are ready to go and people know how to rank. So this is not going to be anything new for voters. You will go to your polling place or fill out your ballot at home. And instead of just checking 
the box for your favorite person, or in the case of the upcoming county board primary, your top two favorite people, instead of just saying that and finishing, you now have the option to rank your favorites. You can say, this is my first favorite, but if I cannot have them, this is my second favorite, this is my third favorite, and so on. Again, in this upcoming Arlington election, there is only the the space on the ballot to rank three people, but you get to say, this is my first favorite, my second favorite, my third favorite. That's it. That's your whole job. And it's you know cognitively no different than saying first favorite flavor of ice cream is strawberry, but they're out. So I'll go with cookie dough. So, and oh no, that they're out of that too. I'll go with pistachio. Nobody judge my ice cream choices, <laughs> but it is a way to build consensus. So your favorite candidate does not end up being popular with the other voters and they get the fewest amount of votes, they are eliminated. And those votes are reallocated to those voters' second choices. Really what this is, is an instant runoff. So if you think about states like Georgia, where everyone showed up for the Senate election, you know, we've seen this happen a couple of times now. You show up for the Senate election, there's three candidates. No one clears that 50% threshold, which is your goal. You're trying to get a candidate with majority support. And if nobody hits that majority number yet, then everyone has to come back in Georgia. Everyone has to come back a few weeks later and cast their vote for the top two. So ranked choice voting just does all that in one fell swoop. You get to say, if my candidate is this least popular one, they speak to me, but maybe they don't speak to everybody else. If that person's eliminated, I am telling you now with this ballot, I cast my support for my second choice. It is a really good way to build consensus It is a really good way to diminish negative campaigning because it kind of flips the current incentive structure for candidates on its head. Right now, candidates can get pretty far just by telling you how bad their opponent is. And it might not even be a policy difference. It might just be a personal attack. And we as the voters are now subjected to mudslinging negative campaign, countless TV and radio ads and digital ads that we're bombarded with. And we quite possibly don't get any real substantive discussion on issues because that's not what our current system rewards. In a ranked choice voting election, it doesn't benefit me. Krista, if you and I are running against each other, it doesn't benefit me at all to go to your voters and tell them that you're terrible because they're going to go, well, who's this woman? We don't like her. She's saying mean things about my candidate. So there's no way I'm getting their second choice vote. And I need second choice votes. A candidate really needs deep support and broad support. I have to have enough people who want me the most to stick in the tabulation process for a couple ballots. But I also need people to think that I'm a good second or third choice. The other really important benefit that we see in ranked choice voting is that it eliminates the spoiler effect. It eliminates vote splitting. So you get the concern a lot of times, I think especially in a primary, that if you have two candidates who come from similar backgrounds, similar demographics, neighborhoods, racial backgrounds, two women in a predominantly male race, a lot of times they will split the vote or there will be a concern that they will split the vote. So candidates are often told to sit down, wait their turn, to that they're going to be a spoiler and sometimes that's that's true. 
with ranked choice voting, that vote that was previously split now gets consolidated in later rounds of tabulation. And the data actually shows that there is no threat to candidates if they have to run against someone from a similar background. There is no threat to them. And in fact, the data shows that it often buoys both candidates and gives them a better opportunity to win. So ranked choice voting has a really good track record of electing what I call non-traditional candidates. And by that, I mean that the traditional candidate tends to be older, whiter, more male than the electorate at large. So this gives the opportunities for candidates of color, for women, for young candidates and first-time candidates. And it really rewards having more voices and more diverse perspectives in the conversation, as opposed to now where a crowded ballot often allows somebody to cruise to victory with 32% of the vote. Exactly. Those all sound like great advantages. And just as you're saying, just ways to change our current political system, which I know so many people are interested in doing, but we've never really figured out or how. So this sounds like a great avenue to do that. So logistically, do you have to rank all the candidates on the ballot? You do not. If you want to just vote for one person, again, Arlington is running a two-winner election for this primary. So Mm -hmm. you probably want to rank at least two. That would be comparable to how you've done it in the past. Mm -hmm. But in any ranked choice election, if there is only one candidate that you can possibly stomach, you're well within your rights to just vote for the one person. That's called bullet voting. Mm-hmm. And your vote really doesn't count beyond what it would now. It's like not showing up to the runoff election because your person got eliminated. Now you get more of a voice the more rankings you fill out. But I would also say if there's you know five candidates, hypothetically, in a single winner race, and, you know, pretend it's a presidential primary or something, and there's five candidates, and you really love one of them, you really like another, and there's a couple that you're like, okay, they're probably fine, they'll do a good job, and there is one that you absolutely do not want, don't rank that one. I would say that your vote is still your voice, and you don't have to lend any part of that to someone you really don't want. So there's no requirement to rank a certain number of candidates. So from what you've seen with other elections, I guess, especially if it's paper, do you see that ballots are invalidated because they may have selected one candidate or marking two candidates as their number one choice? Or has have you seen issues where it's just confusing to voters when they get there to the ballot? I think there are voter education. I want to say first, voter education is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. The ideal is that no one is showing up to fill in their ballot without some idea of what to expect. Mm -hmm. So that is a huge, huge piece of this. But while there are a few ways that you could fill out your ballot so incorrectly that your vote won't be able to count in that race, the data and the exit polls and all the previous ranked choice voting elections in the U.S. really show a very low ballot error rate. Mm -hmm. And I think what's especially interesting is if you look at elections that have been held where Let's say for this example, there's a mayor, there's city council, and maybe there's, I don't know, a commonwealth attorney on one ballot. And only the city council is being elected with ranked choice voting. So it's a mixed ballot. You're just going to pick your favorite person for mayor, your favorite person for commonwealth attorney, but then you're going to rank for city council. The ballot 
error rate remains consistent. So if you can do one, you can probably do the other. And that little bit of error rate is probably just some people are not good at, you know, Scantron forms. But historically, as long as there is voter education, people are pretty good at filling this out. I think the only time there's an issue, sometimes I'm sure people just misunderstand, but I think if you try to get cute and strategic and you say, well, I'm going to give these people, you know, a tied vote or I like this person, but instead of giving them a, I really, really like my first choice. So instead of giving my second place vote to this person, I'm going to give my third place vote to this person thinking it's going to help my first place. You don't have to strategize like that. What's also, I think, refreshing about ranked choice voting is voters don't have to be pundits. We don't have to be strategists. We get to be pretty literal when we fill out our ballots. You really get to go in and say, I like this person the best. I don't know what their chance of winning is, but they speak to me. I believe in their vision. I'm going to put them first. This person comes the next closest, the third closest, et cetera, et cetera. There really isn't a way to game the system on ranked choice voting. And I think it's the people who maybe try who end up with these funky ballots. Yeah, that's interesting. And I wonder, too, I don't know if you've heard anything about this, if it just kind of forces the voter to put a little more thought into the process, because we're usually like one and done, like for whatever reason, they pick their candidate. But with ranked choice voting, if you have, you know, it just makes you kind of think about why the reasons why another candidate may not be first, but a second or may not be third. So it's a very yeah, interesting and I, I think what's really exciting is it puts a lot of the onus on the candidate. Mm-hmm. It's the voter, I think, has a responsibility as much as they can to do their research, to be thoughtful, as you said, and think about all of their options. But it really puts a lot of responsibility on the candidate to make sure that they are out there in maybe in communities that they don't traditionally go to. They've got to go talk to people who don't live near them or look like them or think like them or have kids in the same school as them. They have to get their name out there. So when the voter goes to the polling place, they fill out their first choice and then they go, oh, yeah, and this person, I know this person. So a lot of the onus is on the candidate. And what I also hope is it brings voters thoughtfulness and their deliberation to local races in the same way that we probably all think about a presidential primary. Mm -hmm. I feel like if most people who are politically engaged at any level, I mean, just, you know, regularly vote in presidential elections, say, or just watch the news, we probably all had strong thoughts about the last few presidential primaries, right? You were in a really crowded field on the right in 2016. You had a crowded field on the left in 2020. I think anyone who was watching probably could have named their top five candidates without Mm -hmm. too much effort. So we already do think that way. And these crowded fields, candidates drop like flies. So if your candidate drops out, you already probably have thought about your second choice. So we do know how to rank. And hopefully I agree with you. I like to think that it brings that kind of deliberation to all races that we probably are already using on the top of the ticket. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Liz, so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. I do want to to plug our website real quick. We do have an Arlington specific page since Arlington is the first locality in the state to use ranked choice voting in their local elections, upvoteva.org slash Arlington. There's a 
a sample election where you can see a similar ballot. I mean, it's cartoon characters, so it's very high stakes, but you can kind of play around in there and see how those tabulation results happen. And there's a lot of other good information on there. So I encourage anyone to reach out if they have questions. Well, thank you so much, Liz. Thanks so much. Tanya, thank you so much for joining us today on our League of Women Voters podcast. Can you talk about why Arlington decided to do ranked choice voting? Well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm very excited to talk about ranked choice voting. So Arlington decided to do ranked choice voting because our county board made the decision. Implementing ranked choice voting in Arlington was made by the county board officially for the June Democratic primary this past December. But the county board has been talking about the use of ranked choice voting in Arlington since 2021, but they officially made the decision to use it this past December. And so just to confirm, this is just for the June 20th, 2023 Democratic primary. Correct. And it's specifically for the office of county board, which has two seats to be filled. The other offices on the ballot for June, like state Senate, House of Delegates, the Commonwealth's attorney and sheriff, those will all be traditional style of voting. So the only ranked choice voting style office will be for the county board. And so are these ballots electronic or on paper? The ballots will be on paper and the voting experience is going to be a very similar process to what Arlington voters are already used to. They'll receive a paper ballot. It's We don't have an official ballot yet because we're still waiting for candidates to file because the filing deadline is April 6th. But as of right now, the ballot is will be paper, one sheet, double-sided, and they'll just fill in the ovals for the county board race that correspond to the rankings that they'd like to give the candidates. And then they'll just put it into the scanner that they're already used to using, and that'll be that. It'll be a very similar process to what voters are already used to doing which we're excited about. <laughs> awesome. Yes, no, that we, we realize that's really important. We actually spoke with Liz White as well, just to kind of get us some additional feedback on the process in general. But we're also curious to know what community education is being done about the process, because even though it's a small change for some, it obviously is a change. Yes, of course. And we want, our goal is to make sure voters know what to do when they step into the voting booth or when they receive their ballot in the mail. And our community outreach and education activities will start start to kick off in April. And we are working with Virginia's Department of Elections to develop education materials for the public, which will include social media messages and training videos. And our first big outreach event is actually on April 12th from 3 to 6 p.m. at our office at 2100 Clarendon Boulevard, Suite 320. And we're hosting an open house so members of the community can learn more about ranked choice voting, ask all their questions, and also test their hands at tabulation. And we do plan on having more open house style events about ranked choice voting that will be posted on our website calendar soon. So voters will definitely have ample opportunities to learn more about the process. Voters can also look to our website, which is vote.arlingtonva.gov, our social media channels, which is at Arlington Votes. And we recently relaunched our newsletter, which you can subscribe to on our website. And all of these platforms, we're going to provide voters with everything they need to know about ranked choice voting, including how to mark your ballot, information about the ranked choice voting tabulation process, and as well just the general background of ranked choice voting in Arlington. 
And we're also very excited to work with community organization outreach partners like the League of Women Voters and making sure representatives from our office attend community events that other organizations are putting are putting on about ranked choice voting so we can answer any questions. That's awesome. It sounds like Arlington is really prepared. We are super excited to partner with you all. Thank you so much, Tanya, for joining us today. Oh, it was my pleasure. And I'm very excited to see all the voters in June. Absolutely. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Finding Perspectives. We hope you learned a little more about this important topic and will consider how it will factor into your voting decisions. For more information about the League of Women Voters, Arlington and Alexandria City, you can visit our website at my.lwv.org backslash Virginia backslash Arlington or follow us on social media. You can follow us on Facebook at LWV Arlington, Instagram at LWV A-R-L-A-L-E-X City or Twitter at LWV Arlington VA. The League of Women Voters is a people's organization that has fought since 1920 to improve our government and engage all Americans in the decisions that impact their lives. Formed from the movement that secured the right to vote for women, the centerpiece of the League's efforts remains to expand participation and give a voice to all Americans. Our issues are grounded in our respected history of making democracy work for all Americans.